the obvious choice and choose Avi today. You all know how much I love supplements. I mean, I am obsessed. It's quite literally what I spend all of my paychecks on. So you can imagine how excited I was when Avi reached out to me to try a couple products. And I'm taking the next few moments to tell you my honest review about them. So I was sent the Hello Goodbye set, and I was also sent the Lust product. Now, I've been trying these products for several weeks now, and I think I have a solid opinion on them. So let's start with Lust. I was really stoked to try out this product because the title is Spark the Romance in You. And you all know, as the sex positive podcast host, that I'm all about sexual wellness and feeling healthy sexually. So the Lust product, it increases sex drive, improves mood, and enhances pleasure. Now, I was a skeptic when I read all these. I really didn't think I would notice a big difference. Well, I cannot keep my hands off of Nick. And I'm not just saying this. Yes, maybe it's the time of the month. Yes, maybe it's my fluctuating hormones, or maybe it's because he just looks particularly good after he shaves. But I've kind of been a fiend in the bedroom the last couple of weeks. And I really like it. You probably know I've struggled with my sex drive throughout the years due to varying range of factors, but I really feel like this product is making a difference. It's making me just feel more sexually empowered and just crave sex more. Um, I don't know about the whole increasing orgasm or enhancing pleasure type of thing, but the sex has been feeling really hella good lately. So I can say that my desire has been stimulated and or fueled, and I'm pretty content with this product. And I would suggest giving it a go, really. It's not going to hurt. The next product I'd review is the Hello. Hello is for all-day energy. It's a non-stimulant mood enhancer and enhances mental clarity. Now, I don't know about all these things, but I can honestly say that I have been skipping my cup of coffee in the morning after taking this product. I've quit my caffeine addiction, and I wake up and I take this And I feel awesome. I feel like I don't need coffee in the morning to get up and go. So I really would say that it has held my energy levels with no crash. And I love that it's a non-stimulant. So I would give that a thumbs up. And the last product is the Goodbye for Hormonal Imbalance. It supports complexion, reduces anxiety, and balances mood. So I take the Goodbye Right before I go to bed, I'm excited because it has ashwagandha in it. It has DIM, DIM, uh, rhodiola, passion flower, and a bunch of good stuff. And I have been falling asleep asleep, uh, pretty quickly the last couple of weeks that I've been taking this product. So I would say that, yeah, my skin's been pretty clear. Um, My mood feels pretty balanced. My anxiety, I'm feeling pretty zen. And it kind of does everything that it says. So I'm really impressed by all of these products. I would highly suggest giving them a try. You can get the Hello Goodbye bundle or you can get Lust. So make the obvious choice and use discount code Lauren Coletti to get 15% off your total. That's Lauren Coletti to get 15% off your total at myavi.com. Hello, everyone. 
Thank you for joining me today on the Sex Positive Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Welcome if you are a first-time listener, which I feel like this episode is going to generate a lot of people who typically don't listen to the podcast. So hello and welcome. I am Lauren Coletti, and I will be speaking with you for the next 30 minutes or so. I really appreciate you joining me today. I kind of am recording this podcast with both hesitation and a heavy heart because I wish this wasn't something that was an occurrence. And honestly, I feel a bit of resistance around this subject just because the state of everything, it's so new, but if we don't talk about it, when are we going to talk about it? And this is a topic that needs to be addressed. It needs to be analyzed and spoken about. And I am not a news broadcaster. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a forensic examiner. I'm not a criminologist, although I wish I was, but I am a survivor of domestic violence and I am a... (laughs) I don't want to call myself a psychologist because I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I have a decent amount of education and background in the the field and realm of psychology. And I'm just going to proceed with caution because I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And unfortunately, the world we live in today is so just harsh Like if you don't say everything perfectly, people will rip you to shreds and attack you. And I do not enjoy that. (laughs) I'm not here to argue or fight with anyone. This is my personal opinion. This is my personal experience. And I want to honor the life of the young woman, Gabrielle Petito. I want to honor the lives of every single person, man or woman, that has been impacted gone missing or killed in the face of intimate partner violence. It's just devastating. And this is the reason I was put on the earth to talk about domestic violence, to educate people, to make people feel less alone. And October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I felt like this was the appropriate time to make this episode. October is such a a bittersweet month for me. And I say that with so much privilege as someone that has survived their relationship. That was a violent, abusive relationship several years ago, because this is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It is also the month that I met my abuser. The tears are coming. Um, This is going to be a emotional episode, I could already tell. It's also the month that I met said person that almost took my life, almost resulted in me (laughs) uh, dying. I don't know a politically correct way to say that. Um, So it is a triggering time of the year for me. It is a hard time of the year for me because it just brings up so many memories. And it was five years ago. Uh, It does feel like it was just yesterday. Sometimes I'm an EMDR. I'm working on it. Um, It's been rough. And I feel like this 
case, the death and disappearance of Gabby Petito, in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know, which I'm assuming if you're here, you do know, I will summarize. Gabby was an American woman. I mean, she was young. I'm weird. If anyone's under the age of like 30, I call them a girl. <laughs> Just because now that I'm 27, I uh, I hate when people call me ma'am or miss because it, it feels aging to me. I feel like I'm getting old. But this person disappeared and was the subject of much speculation and news coverage in the media, social media. And I believe she lost contact with her family in August while she was on a road trip across the U.S. with her fiancé, Brian. And her fiancé returned without her. And he did not comment, refused to comment, which led to more speculation about her whereabouts. And then several days ago on September 19th, her human remains were found in Wyoming. And it was determined that her death was a homicide. Now, it's interesting. This case doesn't, it's not something that is unbelievable, unfortunately, at least for me. It wasn't like, for me, it was shocking. I just thought, oh my goodness, not again. And I find it fascinating to hear the commentary from my mom, for example, who said, it doesn't make any sense. They were so young. They were engaged. They were traveling together. Why would he hurt her? And... I'll just say this. For me, my first thought was like, duh, why would he not? And and that's the cynic in me. That's the person that has been in a relationship where it was extremely volatile and turbulent and violent. But it's this kind of fantasy or fallacy that people think it can't happen like domestic violence only happens in this way or that way or here it doesn't happen to a 20 something white girl from long island in florida like i will say i'm also from long island i used to go to the cafe that she worked at i lived in the town over from her and it it's disturbing And for me, it's not anything out of the ordinary. And the fact that domestic violence is happening all around us all of the time. And abuse survivors see what others don't see. If you're not a victim or a survivor of domestic violence or stalking abuse, you might not see beyond Brian's crisscross, applesauce manipulation, use of language, words carefully chosen to imply that he was a good boy and absolutely respectable of the police, right? 
you might not have noticed what he didn't say. He didn't mention slapping Gabby or grabbing her face violently or that he threatened to abandon her. You won't hear him admit to his angry temper or his jealousy of her work. It's really easy to judge if you've never been there. And someone who has never experienced coercive control or abuse may believe what you see. And you might hope what you want to be true rather than what is true or what could be true. Because often the truth is, it's just not pretty. If you're not an abuse survivor, you might look at his scratches and think that he was the one that was abused. You won't him, hear him or Gabby talk about what led up to the violence or whether or not his scratches were the result of her pushing him off of her body while grabbing her face. You'll only see what you want to see, the scratches on him. And you might not want to believe that a self-deprecating boy from Florida could kill a girl like Gabby. And you might prefer to believe that she pushed him to hurt her. Historically, women have been perceived as crazy and rarely has the curtain been pulled back far enough to acknowledge gaslighting, stonewalling, bullying, and physical abuse as reasons for a woman's decline in mental health. I can attest to that. So my hope is that we learn from this. That we understand the circumstances that led to this outcome. May we use the spirits of love to heal ourselves and others. May these families of all the missing persons, of all the people who have lost their lives to domestic violence, may they find the peace and the answers they are looking for. And my hope in this episode is that the rest of us know the warning signs. And those of us who have experienced invisible threats, dehumanizing comments, verbal assaults, attacks on our mental and emotional states, we know far too well what goes on behind closed doors And my hope is that the average lay person might know better too. And I'll go through some things, what survivors know and want you to know, but I'll share a little bit of my own story. I feel connected to this because when I was the age that Gabby was, I met my abusive partner and I won't go into the whole story. I've told the story numerous times. I'm kind of sick of telling it. Um, But I dated someone that was very mentally ill, very good at 
pretending he wasn't. And eventually I became severely mentally ill through our relationship. And something I hear often, which if you're asking this question out of arrogance or criticism, why don't you just leave? Get that question all the time. I was even asked that question by family members and friends and it felt just so invalidating and unsupportive. But it is, it's a logical question. Like, if you're unhappy, why don't you just leave? Although it's always easier said than done, right? But I can't begin to tell you how when you are in the throes of domestic violence, how life-threatening leaving is and how mortifying it is. When I was 21 years old, instead of thinking about what am I going to wear to school? Am I going to pass my test in college? I was waking up every single morning thinking, is this going to be the day my boyfriend kills me? Is this going to be the day that I die? Is this going to be the last day that I see my family? Because he made it extremely obvious that I was not free to leave. He made it extremely and abundantly clear the consequences and the danger of me leaving him. How unsafe I felt every single day. Looking into the eyes of the person that swore that they loved me better and more than anyone in the entire world, while at the same time reassuring me that if I ever left him, If I ever left him for someone else, I would regret it. Because he wouldn't be able to live with himself. He wouldn't be able to let me walk free if he knew that I was capable of hurting him so badly that he would have to kill me and the person I left him for. And then he would kill himself. And the thing is... Controlling partners push their victims until their breaking point and then label us crazy, right? For this example, Brian told the police that Gabby got worked up sometimes and he called her crazy while playing the nice guy. And at the same time, he set the stage painting Gabby as someone who was unstable I have been in those shoes. When the abusive person is playing all this mental mind games, that their family members and friends start to think you're the one causing all the distress. You're the one causing drama. When really it is a symptom, it's a side effect of the inner hell that they are putting you through, the invisible emotional castration And Laundry admits that he locked her out of the van. He insinuated that he did it for Gabby's own good until she calmed down. And abuse survivors know this is his way of exerting dominance and exercising control over her, threatening to abandon her 
was an exercise in power over her. Abuse survivors also spot how he made it seem like doing so was for her own good because, of course, he was the calm one. He knew how to manipulate the police to avoid trouble and threw Gabby under the bus to explain away his cuts and for driving above the speed limit. And we know that this young girl had dreams and aspirations and goals and the will to make them happen. And we don't know what he did for a living. We don't know if he had any career goals of his own. But survivors know that partners are often jealous and envious when their victims go after their dreams and look to expand. They also know that envy and jealousy can erupt when the abuser feels threatened by success or attention they receive. And unable to support their partner, which would be a healthy relationship, abusers find overt and covert ways to drag them down. Gabby told the police that Brian did not believe she could make her travel blog happen, yet decided to tag along on her adventure anyway, perhaps torturing her the entire way. And I'm getting shivers because I know how the fake support that abusers seem to offer in front of people, right? They're the perfect person in front of witnesses. But the hell that they make us pay when the doors close and the mind games start to go on start to happen. Abuse survivors know what it feels like to have an abusive person turn the labels, the blame shift, project gaslight, and use crazy making communication to get you to doubt your own thoughts. When abusers exhibit frustration or rage, they they blame the victim. They use guilt and shame and fear and put down. So cause a partner to feel as if it's their fault their partners are throwing temper tantrums, right? Gabby immediately blamed herself, took the blame and told the police that she hit him. But what survivors notice is that Gabby did not jump out of the car and tell the entire story. She did not mention her boyfriend slapped her repeatedly, ran after her down the street or that he had a violent temper and she was afraid of him. Abuse survivors know too well that she probably felt like all of his verbal and physical abuse was her fault because she was busy or tired or anxious. This is the epitome of a toxic, parasitic, codependent relationship. And the lies. Playing the nice guy. How quickly abusive partners can turn on the charm, especially in front of authorities. They're the most charismatic people, quite possibly ever. Brian had a shy demeanor. He was apparently a far cry from the angry, abusive person that he was when he was slapping her, violently grabbing her, chasing her down the street. The man that we see on camera on body cam footage asking to sit knew how to come off as an innocent boy, but he 
seemed to get upset because his feet were dirty, you know? Like, he was only out there in support of his girlfriend, he wanted us to believe, who wanted to write a blog, yet had this violent side. And survivors know this smoke and mirror antics all too well and could notice the charming, like a snake charmer. Notice he never mentioned slapping his girlfriend or grabbing her. Instead, he reminds the officers that he needs to sit in the shade. He's bald. Poor me. It's always the victim mentality. And survivors know things are not always what they seem. An abuse survivor knows an abuser can be seen as the kindest, innocent person smiling. And in the next moment, off of social media or when the camera's out of the face, it's like this wolf in sheep's clothing. They morph into a tyrant. Social media, need I remind you, is a mask. And it hides what we don't want others to see, what we prefer to deny My ex used to force me to take pictures with him kissing and would immediately like yell at me, get angry, start a fight, hurt me if I didn't post them. And I just felt like what a lie I'm living. I am so miserable. And yet everyone's hashtag couples goals. It's, it's so easier to believe we're defective and that it's our fault that People become abusive. The denial, right? It, it often protects from the terror or recognizing that one is sleeping with the enemy. So social media, smiling faces, filters, sponsorships, they cloud reality and can kind of force people, force people who have been emotionally and physically abused to deny the pain they're in, to distort reality, making it nearly impossible to acknowledge angry outbursts, verbal abuse, and a lack of support as giant red flags, which they are. And abuse survivors know that abusers are often supported by enablers. Um, In the narcissistic abuse community, we call them flying monkeys who do nothing to hold the abuser accountable. They know what it is like to feel like you are living in the twilight zone after experiencing abuse and staring in the eyes of the abuser's family, like wondering, aren't you going to say something? I used to look at my ex's mom. I really, really liked his family so much. And I just thought, is it just me who's seeing this? Can no one else see this? I was told by his family and his friends, you have such a nice guy. You have such a great guy. Like so many girls would wish they were in your position and all. I just wanted to fucking scream. Because these abusers are shielded by enablers who don't hold them accountable Maybe they're scared too, not blaming them, but they have denied the warning signs. They don't want to admit that it could be their son. It could be their brother. It could be their father. It could be their cousin, their friend. It could be you. And what we know about his family, and I don't want to blame the family. You know me, I I don't like blaming people. But it is pretty obvious that they housed their son, even though he returned home in Gabby's van without her. And I get it's their son, but we know that they were living 
he was living with them and refused to speak to the authorities about her whereabouts. And he took a car from their home to supposedly go hiking, even though his fiance was missing. I don't know. I'd be pretty upset if my fiance was missing. I think I would do everything I could to try to find them and try to help. And this is suspicious. This is enabling. And unfortunately, this is typical. His family had, I don't know, a responsibility to Gabby. As if it was their daughter, if it was their child. And they just shrugged and rationalized and justified. Much the way abusers do when abusing others. And we know just from basic psychology and research that people who are abusive typically come from abusive households. So that's where they learn the behavior. Abuse is a learned behavior. And we don't want to believe that it could happen to us. Survivors rarely believe or understand at first that verbal abuse is a precursor to domestic violence. I can 100% say all the red flags were there for me. I ignored them my 21-year-old naive self, it started as verbal abuse. It started as me being called a dick, me being told to go fuck myself. Just, I'm an empath. I'm highly sensitive. Those things really bothered me, but I just brushed it off. And I asked my mom, I asked my sister, is this normal? They told me I was being too sensitive and he was probably just kidding. So lighten up, Lauren. So you know what I did? I lightened up. And I, years later... Very much wish that I had listened to my intuition. See, we often assume it's our fault that our partners are angry. So we feel this false sense of control. Like we're causing it to happen. This on top of being told by the abuser is our fault that they get angry. Makes a dangerous like concoction of dependency and distorted views of reality. This abusive cycle begins with mounting tension, which leads to an incident, which leads to reconciliation, which leads to calm. That is the cycle of violence. And in the reconciliation phase, couples justify the abuse. They blame circumstances or the victim. And in doing so, avoid the toxic reality of the relationship. And the relationship is unhealthy and dysfunctional. However, The reconciliation phase, it blurs reality. This phase offers, I don't know, like boosts and it's this push-pull and it therefore causes rose-colored glasses and solidifies the denial and fairy tale that it will get better next time. It won't happen again. So we know Gabby and Brian met in high school, good old Blue Point, town over from me. And they also called off their engagement and decided to just date. And this is common in relationships that do not have healthy boundaries. It is not uncommon for one partner to feel sorry for the other and struggle to end the relationship completely. And in this case, Gabby was the one with the dreams and could have felt bad for moving on without him. Survivors know that often relationships with abusers are insecure and involve feeling sorry for our partners. Those with high empathy, which maybe Gabby had, might find themselves wishing to save or rescue or fix an abusive partner, and in the process be unaware that 
the perception of love is unhealthy. Survivors will tell you that we often see the potential in a violent, manipulative, and controlling partner and rarely, if ever, pondered how an abuser's word and actions impacted us ourselves. And we know Gabby defended and even sugarcoated Brian to the police while he gently and charmingly pushed her in front of the bus. And she might have believed that covering for him was love. But I can tell you, it always gets worse. Those of us who have escaped toxic relationships will tell you that the relationships never get better. They only intensify and incidents only become more frequent over time. There is a Gabby in each of us, someone who saw the best in someone she loved, who felt safe with someone, who most likely made her feel unsafe much of the time, who focused on her own behavior as being the cause of the toxic behavior in the one that she loved. And we know this relationship was troubled. Yet, like many of us who struggle to end toxic relationships, Gabby never believed this could happen to her, but it did. And it happens around the globe every minute of every day. Violence against women is a pandemic. So rest in peace, Gabby. And rest in peace to the countless women who lose their lives every second of every day who haven't been searched for. I will continue to fight for you in your honor. I will continue to use my voice, use my story to advocate for you, to educate people, and to bring you whatever justice there is left that I possibly can. I had to get that off my chest. So thank you for listening. Take some time for self-care after this episode. This might be a hard one, might be a triggering one. And I hope... I hope that my words are doing service. I hope that I'm causing more benefit than harm. And I just pray that you believe a survivor, or if you are a survivor or a victim, that you tell someone and you get the help that you so rightfully deserve and need. We need support, whether we are hurting or healing, or both. I'm right there with you. So let's kick it October. I have a ton of episodes, at least solo episodes I will be doing on domestic violence. Whatever resonates with you, take it. Whatever is not serving you, leave it. I will include some helpful resources in the show notes. And just share this with a friend that you think needs to hear it or not. I thank you again so much for listening today. I hope you find some compassion, some empathy in yourself, for others who are suffering, who are struggling. And I hope that if this hit home, if this hit hard for you, just tune in, listen, Validate yourself. Acknowledge what's going on inside of you. Know that it is real. Know that it deserves to be heard and know that you're worthy of safe, healthy, and happy love. 
I am so grateful that I'm alive. I'm so grateful that I safely exited that relationship. Although it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was not easy. It was so worth it. And I can tell you firsthand, it didn't get better overnight. (laughs) It did not get better for years. But every day, I felt lighter. Every day, I came back to myself, to my true self. I relearned who I was. I relearned the power of my voice when I felt like it was taken away. And that's what I'm doing here today, speaking with you. So I believe in you. I have faith in you. I love you. And I'm sending you biggest hugs, biggest warm wishes. Take care.